0: We're here in, uh, in Ergo Studio B, also known as my bedroom. You're listening to Ergo. Yeah, what's up, y'all? It's Dane. Much love to all the people. It's Kiss. Uh, we, uh, we're not on the radio radio this week. Things are a little funky over there at the station. Um, that's what happens when... Like the station hasn't been renovated or changed since about 1675 since the first radio station actually i think
1: that was it yeah they dirty as hell they got bad bugs so we couldn't you fuck. don't have to put them on blast I'm like putting them on blast <laughs> everybody
0: gets put on blast on so <laughs> Airgo radio no exceptions do you know how hard it's gonna be to book guests now
1: uh well i should have thought of
0: that we'll have a hazmat suit for you when you come on this show but we're recording at my apartment in humboldt park we have a very special guest um i'm really excited to have her here uh but before we get to that. Any community announcements, anything you want to
1: talk about, Dan? Uh, we stay out there at Freedom Square. Come on through, home in Fillmore. Uh, that's pretty much all I know about what's happening in the world. <laughs> so you can go ahead and tell other people. This
0: is the first time you've been indoors in about yeah, 13 yeah, days, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm living off the land. No, but for real, if, you, if you're not familiar, if this is it, you didn't hear last week's episode. Uh, we are on day 13. Uh, this is what, August, Wednesday, 2nd, uh, Wednesday, August, I'm all over the place, y'all. But we're out there um, across the street from Homeland Square where thousands of people have been illegally detained and tortured, demand- demanding the facility be shut down, resources be invested into the North Lawndale community, um, and using the space as an overall workshop to talk about how we can create a society and a world without police and without prison. So if you want
0: to find out more, first of all, you should just go to Let Us Breathe Facebook page. It has all the info as well as things you can contribute. Um, Also, you can listen to last week's episode, which was a a few conversations recorded out there. Um, And that'll give you a little bit more info. But first and foremost, just come through and and, and share the space with us because it's a beautiful thing. Um, All right. Cool. Let's uh let let's let's, let's get into it. the yeah. I mean, it's so weird to not have the actual radio radio here because it's like very formal and official and we go to a place. And I'm like, I slept right there last night. It's a little strange, but we have a very special guest. Uh, first off, I'm just really happy that we managed to make this work while you're while you're here.
1: Yeah, I'm glad at home. Too. Yeah. Uh, Diamond Sharp is here. What's up, y'all? I really appreciate your special effects. It's it's needed. It's needed. You deserve it. I feel
0: like they're changing over time. It's getting more like a more like somber.
1: Yeah, no. I'm trying to figure out how to do like the uh, shattered glass sound that they do on like mixtapes, yeah. but it sounds really stupid.
2: Once you get there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah.
1: yeah, no, it don't work. Yeah. By the 100th
0: episode, we're going to have that down. We're gonna get to your episode 54, so we still got okay. some work to do. Um, how are you feeling today? How is the world treating you and how are you treating the world?
2: Um, I feel really good today. Today, just working. It's nice and warm outside. I'm at home. Um... I've been working from home for this summer. Like our offices were just remote for the summer. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing Rookie Mag out of my bedroom and I'm very <laughs> okay with that. Um, and it's been good to travel um, this summer. Yeah. So when
0: you say Rookie Mag, uh, what do you do over there? And just tell the folks a little bit about what Rookie Mag is.
2: Um, so I just got a title change. So I was associate editor, but now I'm a story editor Rookie Magazine is a magazine for teen girls, um, like the high school to college crowd, even though we have dedicated readership for people that are in their 20s and 30s. Um, it was starred by Tavi Gevinson. She's also from Oak Park, like I am. We also do have a small, but dedicated readership of young men. So don't feel bad if you are actually sneaking on RookieMag.com. no one's gonna play you. If there's you are. No,
0: There's no, like, a, like you don't have to fill out a form when you, <laughs> when the, like, a pop-up thing. No. With the first No. That's cool. Um. So yeah, you're back here. You stay in Oak Park while you're home. Where yeah. where is home? Like without that being the big question, like where do you stay usually, and what are you doing back here in Chicago?
2: So I'm from Oak Park, and yeah, when I come home, I'm staying in Oak Park. Um, What's your second question? Uh, what brought you back
0: to the city for the summer for oh, a couple of
2: weeks? Really, just because I like being at home, and because we were working remotely, mm-hmm. it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to be home, right? Like yeah. if we're working remotely, I can do that from Chicago. Um, like, New York is cool, but I prefer summertime shy, so... How can you not? I came home,
1: yeah. What, what What part of the city are you staying in out there?
2: I live in Crown Heights. In, we're, and how long have you been in New York? Just a year and a half.
0: So when you, I mean, so I do the reverse, right? Like, I'm going home in a couple of weeks to New York. Right, we switch
2: places, I yeah. forgot, yeah.
0: We're like, we can't be both... This is like the only time we're both in the same place, like yeah. usually. Uh and I have like certain routines whenever I go home. Like usually it's food related, but there's like things I always do when I go home. What's your like back to Chicago
2: routine? It's also food related, so I've definitely got some Harold's. Oh, home life, yeah. Yeah, I got some Uncle Remus. Equal
1: opportunities. I am. <laughs> let's let's stop right there and have the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> where where does your heart lie?
2: <laughs> so you're not gonna get my West Side card pulled. What I will say diplomatically is that I think that Uncle Remus is killing the game. In the sauce and the size. Okay. I uh, prefer the salt and pepper chicken over at Harold's. So I'll leave it there. I think they both do some things very strongly. Oh wow. Yeah. All the constituents are, yeah. are, are, be, a, yeah. are be a reshot to I'd be sorry for all the reports. For all the mild sauce. I was careful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Words. So and I also know you were, you know, we we crossed paths last week around the the incubator that the Poetry Foundation did and the block party and all that. Um you know, I, despite the fact that I was an employee of it, I wasn't around the incubator at all, but it seemed from talking to folks like it was a really cool thing. Uh, what was your experience like with that?
2: Yeah, it was really powerful. I feel like it takes me some time to be, in, after being in spaces like that, to really think about what happened. So it was about 30 poets from around the country, and we were there at the Poetry Foundation in the incubator to really discuss like what it means to be an artist, but also be part of your community and do community or, Um, organizing and work. Mm. So some people, I mean, it runs a gamut. There are people who work in youth organizations, or work in community organizations, and people like me who work in media. Um, But what, you know, the thing we have in common is poetry um, and really being able to be in a space together and talk to each other about ideas about how to move our work forward, how to make sure that we're being accountable to to our communities, um, how to solve issues that like seem to be plaguing every poetry Mm. community right now. Like what? Um, I think... A lot of discussions, um, this in general, with like across the poetry communities, like how do you make sure you remain you maintain safe spaces, and I also think, yeah, I think safe space is something that comes up. Mm-hmm. Just not necessarily in the incubator just itself, but like in the wider discussion, I think when you're talking to poets, yeah. like how to make sure that the use spaces we have are safe spaces, and as we move forward into um, like our adult spaces, like how are we making sure that X, Y, and Z open mic is a safe space for all, right? I think yeah. that's something that people, just because I think the conversation right now, people are, are more knowledgeable on these issues. Yeah,
0: I mean, we talk a lot about like the limitations of even that framework. Like you want to, I've heard, Dame, I've heard you talk
1: about this before. Yeah, yeah. Um, be- before I like kind of bring in my personal critique, I would like to hear more if you feel comfortable speaking. What, what are some of the the like, foundational issues that endanger or or compromise the safety of the poetry spaces? What are some ways um, that people who are trying to enter those worlds can be, be aware of what they need to be accountable for uh, or what to be careful of?
2: Yeah. So again, I'm not really speaking just about like what we discussed on your bear. Right. I'm really right. talking here about well, like,
1: on a, a national the, scale. The, like yeah. the,
2: on a national scale. Um, I think the way I just witnessed in like the last, five years is there's definitely been issues around sexual assault there's been issues um I mean I mean I think that's really that's the elf in the room right that yeah. sexual assault and is various capacity like the way yeah. that it manifests itself um, sexual harassment etc cetera, etc cetera, has I mean it seems like we're at a point now where like, people recognize that that is wrong and that there's and which is which, just, yeah, yeah which good is good, there, yeah. right? It's ridiculous that people did not recognize that ten years mm. ago or fifteen years ago or however many years ago. And also, there's just ways to make sure that people are held accountable once they commit those acts, right? Mm. So, there's been national discussions about. I think, I think what we have to move away from is like some of the national discussions about specific poets, right? Like we've known these people have done wrong, but they talk about like some of the the fundamental problems at hand, like patriarchy. Like why mm. is it that, like grown-ass men feel comfortable talking to young female poets in any kind of way. Like, that's, right. to me—
0: Not to mention, like, leveraging their access and their power. Not just, like, saying offhand stuff, but, like, actually— Like, like using—
2: like, perpetrate. their right. Yeah. You, yeah. Like, knowingly using their power for bad, right? Yeah. And that's happened in various spaces.
0: Yeah, I think—so this is an interesting thing, just because, like— it's one thing to have those conversations, another thing to actually put it in practice, right? So I was in a space where I was one of the facilitators not too long ago, right? And there was someone who came in as an audience member who one of the people on the like performance facilitator end felt unsafe with them there for a whole bunch of reasons. And it was one of those moments of like, okay, how do we actually, like the conversations are all well and good, how do we hold that person accountable and ask them to actually just leave? And I was surprised by how easy it was to stall, even though like I knew it was exactly what needed to happen and to be like, well, after this song or like after this piece is done, then we'll ask him. Well, I, then it was like, oh, okay, let's actually take a moment and think about why we have to do this. It's not just like doing the right thing. It's like that person doesn't feel safe right now because of that person. Let's do what we have to do to do it so eventually it happened but it was one of those moments where it was like let's actually put this in the in the a second, yeah. yeah and it actually like embody this stuff that we all are kind of agreeing needs to be done um so for you i mean you you serve kind of an interesting role you know you mentioned like the media space by air quotes you know in, in kind of being in conversation with whether it's teachers or you know poets doing all these other kinds of things you think they're like unique like in those conversations in the incubator just in general because you are both a poet and you're doing that other kind of stuff um what are the you like unique things that first of all like I keep saying the the digital space or whatever the media space what what is it exactly in addition to being a poet that you feel like that you do I know you're an editor and all kinds of stuff like that how would you describe what you do?
2: Oh, I guess when I'm describing myself, I usually say I'm a poet and essayist. Mm. For me, journalists just sounds so boring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and like what? you need like a fedora to go in. <laughs> and, so, and so what do you, <laughs> what do you think the, uh, the distinction is? Like, like take, take us on what the distance is between journalism and, and essaying.
2: Well, I just feel like I c- I'm coming from a creative writing background in general. Like I'm a poet who happens to edit and happens to write and happens to like work in digital media spaces where I think that maybe someone who's like, who went to undergrad being like, I'm going to be a journalist, like, and maybe either went to liberal arts school and major in English or just went to like your- J school, yeah. To, you know, the regular undergrad was like J school and they went to J school or whatever. I think it's just a different way of, of thinking, approaching writing, right? I think it's just a different way of thinking about it. Um, I feel like my, the communities I hold myself accountable to are definitely creative writing communities mm. where I don't necessarily, I don't feel- that way, when I'm thinking about like journalism at large, mm. if that does that make sense? Like, I, I'm not I going think so what do you mean by that? I just well, I think if someone's asking me who my community is, I'm definitely right. going to name like five poets, I'm not going to name five journalists who are doing right yeah. similar work. It's, it's I think other, about that with this, it, yeah. It's the Ella
1: Baker question of like who are your people, you know, yeah, right, and therefore, who like who are you accountable to? Like, yeah, where is your power rooted? I think about that a lot
0: actually with the radio show, right? Because like we are on the radio, we are not like in the radio world and there are definitely like limitations to that right like there's access or there's people who could help it amplify that way but it's also like that's just not who we make things for you know
2: yeah i think it's good to like figure that stuff out early Mm -hmm. i think once i figured out i was like oh i am a poet who also happens to be really good at editing it happens Mm -hmm. to just kind of fit into this space i'm able to make a pretty decent living um, and be able to write, which is a very unique situation to be in. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm very lucky that I just kind of fell into it. Right, um, once I figured out who my people were, it was much easier to go about and like kind of remove myself from like. I think, yeah, I, I don't, I, I was like, I feel stronger in myself. If that makes sense. Like, I knew mm-hmm. who my people are.
1: Is, is that like that strength or that assuredness? Did that come from like a, a wrestling or a tension? Right, was there ever a time where you felt pulled or or? Was trying to hold yourself accountable to a journalism community that you weren't really in tune with, or have you always been kind of like? Was it just because nah. you came up in YCA? Yeah.
2: Like, I do think it's because I came up in YCA. I don't, I don't know if it was tension in that way. I think it was tension since I was like 23 and 24. I <laughs> didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Just so like general tension of like not knowing where I was going. I was sounds, broke. From, sounds really yeah. familiar Yeah, and I was broke. I wasn't making any money. I was like working various jobs. And like we're working nonprofit. I will never work in a nonprofit again. This is uh, this is our dedicated.
0: Uh Critiquing the nonprofit industrial complex moment. Why would you never work in a nonprofit? Um, game?
2: Because if I want to be exploited, why not make more money doing it? <laughs>
0: that's so great. That's I, fantastic. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's how I feel. Um, I'm not interested in being exploited at, at any circumstances. Um, but no, my experience in nonprofits was just, yeah, that it's exploitative. It's you aren't paid enough. There's no way to grow, right? Because like mm-hmm. you come in entry level, and that's where you stay. There's really no space for any type of middle. There's just nothing there.
0: Yeah,
2: I and mean, just maybe D.C. is also saturated with this every type of nonprofit you can imagine right. too. Yeah. So I just it's just a, it's not the a lot The streets lie for are me. paved
0: with five hundred one c three certificates. <laughs>
2: Essentially, yeah. Um, and but even when I was in D.C., right, I felt the tension about the fact that like I really believe that like there's Washington and then there's D.C. I lived in D.C. Mm-hmm. I actively avoided Washington and mm-hmm. Washington's like the 501c3 and mm-hmm. the I come here to work on the Hill to like then leave in two years to like yeah. further my own career, right? And I was like, oh, like I feel again, in D, like in D.C. my people were D.C., right? People who are from there yeah. are people who have been there long enough to feel like they were from their uh, more heavily Black community and more artistically inclined a socially um, social justice inclined community mm-hmm. um, So I felt that tension there, but no.
1: Was there ever time? So I'm hearing from a personal standpoint, as we we always like to explore, how fucked up the (laughs) nonprofit side. Well, it didn't. You were exploited, right? But in terms of the work that they quote, you know, set out to do, um, did you feel effective at any point on on that front? And
2: And one of them, yeah. And the other one, I was like, no, I don't think they were doing anything. No, I don't think they were doing anything. So let's do the timeline a little bit. So we we,
0: we, we got that you uh, You grew up in Oak Park. You found your way to YCA. How'd you find your way to YCA?
2: Um,
0: and was that the first kind of writing space you were in?
2: No. So the first writing space I was in, like as a teenager, was Spoken Word Club at Oak Park and River Forest High School, mm-hmm. which is led by Peter Kahn, which I think most folks in the Chicago area are aware of. Um, it's a unique situation because Peter has been able to the English department at Oak Park allowed him to come in and like bring spoken word artists in and like have that part of the curriculum, which I think was just unusual at the time. This is Mm -hmm. also, this is like 2003, 2004, 2005, really before. I think now most English teachers be like, yeah, some spoken word poetry. It's very hip. It's very hip, right? But he was doing this 10 years before that became like really something that people wanted to do um, or something that people saw as Academically sound, right? Because we know there's all these these things around whether or not spoken word, right? I. Performance poet, e. yeah. Black, whether or not like that's academically sound, right? Mm-hmm. And we know there's these things around that. Um, so, a spoken word club. So, I did that. My started that my my first year. My I wanted I I wanted to do my first year, but my grandfather died. So, I just was dealing with a lot mm-hmm. my first year of high school, and then by sophomore year is when I joined officially. Um, the reason I came to YCA was by accident. My friend Deja Taylor, which some folks know. Shout out,
1: Deja. <laughs> yeah. Man. Where is that? I feel like I would see Deja in a Deja's couple around. months. She's oh, around. I man. think she's like
2: working in, in the lab somewhere. Oh, we like, got to get Deja up on here. Like, like,
1: Are you familiar with Deja Taylor? I'm. I'm oh, man. We th- throw it on. Hey, we're throwing I'm some gonna, Deja. I'm to the list we're then. throwing some Deja on this podcast. Yeah. I, I decree it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Super uh, bad. That's that's the track. I, I request it.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, I re- Deja's somewhere. In, I mean, she's here and she's definitely working on stuff, and Deja's a f- fantastic writer and performer actress rapper i mean you, you name it she can do it so deja can she podcast though yeah <laughs> right deja adam levin nova from oak park and maybe one other person because at the time yca um only let in a certain amount of oak park kids which is a fair i guess it is called young chicago authors and we have to be so there were
0: like quotas at like the, it, it was, was like how only a certain amount of Armenians could come to the United States until
2: 1960. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> it's a, it's a just stretch. just like that. It <laughs> it's was a just like the yes, just like With that the Armenian struggle. <laughs> just, oh, okay, just like the Armenian struggle. Sure, <laughs> Oak Park residents are the <laughs> Armenians of Chicago. Yeah, questionable, questionable, questionable history. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. So at the time, there. It is called Young know, Chicago Authors, so they might, in fact, be more inclined to have people who actually live in the city of Chicago to be part of the organization. But they were letting Oak Park people, Oak Park people, in, and some people, in, like essentially like just a handful in at a time. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think it's discriminatory. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I mean, I'm joking. <clears throat> I'm not. Go on. Um, so yeah, I like they. Damn you, young Chicago authors. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, So, I came. I like. Thank it, you for helping all the people we've had on this show. But damn
2: you. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Um, so yeah, all that said is, is that I was hanging out with Deja that weekend, and we were. She was like, "Come with me to this thing," and then we will go to where we were playing going afterwards. And I like went. I was like, "I need to be part of this." So I taught myself into the program because I wasn't part of like. I think Peter had like sent. Mm-hmm. Um, like Bob, names of, of kids part he thought would like benefit from program. I was always quiet. So mm-hmm. like no one would have thought of me because I was just a very quiet person. And also, like I said, I was dealing with a lot from my first year of high school. I yeah. wasn't really open. I was I was more um, close to myself. Um, so I talked to Bob. I was like, look, essentially it was like, I need to be part of this program. And they thought over and they let me in. I just kind of stayed. I, the point was that I was going to keep coming anyway, even they ha- you know, I, right. I was, there was no, no circumstances where I was not going to show up.
0: It was just whether you would have permission from them or not. Yeah, and whether
2: or not, I mean, yeah, essentially. And they're like, yeah, I guess we'll let in, in someone. And then I kind, of, I kind of stayed. And then I did Girl Speak for three years, which was, they don't do anymore, but it was a webzine, which is mm-hmm. like, again, just shows you like what time period we're in, because now you just call it, I guess, a magazine. But right. in 04, 05, 06, Oh seven. That still was not, not yeah. the way yeah. you're using pre the internet. blog, pre Tumblr did. Yeah, it's like, like yeah. We're gonna make a magazine, but we're gonna put it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that seems right, and it's like it's moving away from hard copy, which publishing. they had done before, which they don't do anymore, right? What they was had say what say what, which right. I did something a bit on that too. Yeah. Um, so I did girl speak. I went off to college. I went to Wellesley, and then at Wellesley, I like. I know I've always been very much like I need to make some money and I need to do well and I think had I maybe gone to Smith mm. being a poet would have seemed like more attainable because like their largest alum their biggest alum is Sylvia Plath mm. um, and like they also Thelma Golden who's over the Sewing Museum of Harlem um, like there's more artistic stuff at Smith but for me right like the only the main alums like the patron saint alums of Wellesley College are Hillary Clinton and Marilyn Albright. So I was like, if you are trying to be president or secretary of state right. or at the very lower level, trying to go to the hill working as a lawyer, going into banking, there's like space for you. But I just didn't feel like there was space for me as an artist. Mm, to create the way piece. you wanted yeah. to,
0: yeah. Um, so did you find over the four years, any like small little nooks and crannies where you felt like you could make stuff and just come a little closer to the mic, sorry?
2: Yeah, um, yes. It took a while one like you started meeting other kids other girls there that were like oh yeah I did youth poetry stuff when I was in high school mm-hmm. so once it was like a secret community we knew each other <laughs> and there were kids in the English department who at, towards the end of my time year there did like a, a magazine start putting together um, a publication I also my major there was peace and justice studies and my minor mm-hmm. was Africana studies so I was able to think about activism through art and that's, I got a grant my junior summer to go down to D.C. And that's how I ended up in D.C. after graduation um, to follow around Holly Bass, who's a poet and a performance artist and just engaged with the activism in our community there. I did like a a report about it essentially and I got funding for that. So I found little ways to do it. But it just didn't seem, for lack of better terms, legitimate. I just felt like I was being, like, in my mind, I was like, I have to be a lawyer so I can make money and that this fancy mm. education like pays off. It's right? worth it. Right? It's yeah. worth it. Like, and this pays off. And this is what women who go to this college do. Right. They become fucking Malin Albright. Right. That They right. ascend to the highest levels of like very standard pr- professions. Um, and then I was like, oh, that, and yeah. Sh- short story. Short. I got sick. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm already like, I'm sick. So I can do whatever I want to do <laughs> now. Okay. Yeah.
0: So let's, uh, again, as much or as little as you want to talk about, but I, I know just from talking with you in other contexts and, uh, and from, I did my research, read a couple interviews and stuff like sure. that. You
2: know, you're you're a creep.
0: creep. <laughs> uh, if you don't want the, that you just yeah. called all of our podcast listeners creeps for listening to the podcast, but, um. You are a creep. <laughs> it's weird. We got to get back in a radio station. It's getting way too personal, but, um. I know you've described kind of on the craft and uh, like what you write about in short being, and I even wrote it down, Chicago, black folks, up South, queerness. Like those are the, the cat, the, the keywords, the tags. And mental health. Um, and mental health. Right. So do those tags or those keywords, this, that, does that still feel like it covers the basis for you and your craft? And are there like terms or things on that list that are like, the keywords in your life that aren't yet in your craft that you're trying to figure out how to work those together.
2: Yeah. I'm really interested in writing more about joy at the moment, mm. mostly because like my general disposition is kind of melancholy, mm. which I'm okay with, you know, you have to know yourself and I know myself. Yeah, um, I'm kind of even Steven in terms of my personality. So I've been thinking a lot about adding, making sure that joy is added in my real life. And then also mm. what I put on the paper Um How's has that
1: been going? Have you taken the first steps? What does what, what that, that look, that look it's really like? It's really
2: been, I've just kind of been sitting, I haven't really been able to write this summer. Mostly because I've been flying back and forth to weddings and other shit that, oh, don't get married this summer because I won't come. <laughs> 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 don't, I hope everyone I know won't, doesn't get married for like the next six months. Okay. Just, take, yeah. just take a time. Extend the engagement. you it's got been, the rest of your life. You're, to you're not ready. sure yet. Take yeah. your time. Give yeah. time a yeah. break. Yeah. yeah. So I've been flying here and there for weddings and for other things, um, so I just really haven't been able to really sit with myself. Um, mm. But what it's looked like is like me kind of like mulling, like doing reading. I've been I went to see Carrie James Marshall yesterday um, at the MCA. It's been kind of me like taking in inventory so that when I do eventually like I'm able to like clear my head and write like I have these things to write from. I've been thinking about like Gilmore Girls, interesting enough. Mm. Which I've been made fun of for for like looking Gilmore Girls. I'm biting my tongue right now. Whatever. But no, look, they they like are twist a level speed on their talking, which I find very impressive. Yes, it is very it's very impressive. But I've been like thinking about maybe. I'm,
1: I'm not familiar with the show, so I can't plug into that. reference. you want to
0: give a little? Oh, I was looking for the laugh, and you weren't oh, there I'm sorry, for it. Sorry, I, I don't really got nothing for you, man. The audience is cracking up right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but why Gilmore Girls?
2: I was thinking about that as like maybe a space to enter because I just find that show to be. It's very fascinating. I find Gilmore Girls, the universe of Gilmore Girls is one that's like kind of all encompassing. If you're watching the show, you kind of get sucked into Stars Hollow. Mm-hmm. It is a very white ass show. Outside of Elaine Kim, who is the main character's best friend, Roy Gilmore, it's a, this is white. It's As the whitest, perhaps. It is very white. Most of the cultural references they make are white. They live in a white ass town. Mm-hmm. They talk about white ass shit. It's like One Tree Hill level white. It's white. It's some white shit. It's white.
1: They even like white hair and there's <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's white. It's very white, and I've been made fun of for for liking it, but I don't care because mm-hmm. I find it to be like this very fascinating cultural phenomena. And to the extent, right, like they people, the fans have been able to talk Netflix into doing an extra four episodes. What yeah. I mean, it ended in 09, 07. It ended either when I was going off to college. It's been a while since yeah. we've visited the Roy Gilmore and the Gilmore Girls story, right? <laughs> and now we, here we are, right? And people are hyped for this release in November. I may be one of them who's really excited to Perhaps. see it. Perhaps.
1: <laughs> you, you have such a cute smile on your
2: face
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Got> so <coy>. <laughs> <laughs> I, But wait, but yeah. why? So what's the... Thinking about joy been, in I've been
2: that. thinking, I don't know, it's just like, I maybe because I watched, what last summer when stuff was going really crazy, I started watching Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. I, I went through different world, and I went through Gilmore Girls, so people think those shows are very different, which you're right, they are different setups, <laughs> different different time periods, different cast, different kinds of folks. That crossover episode was crazy, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But when you think about it, both different world and Gilmore Girls does a bigger job of sucking into the respective universes. Mm-hmm. When, when you're watching either one of those shows, you are in the universe of that show, which I think... Not every show does that well. I think they do the, they do that very, very well, that you're kind of, you're there. And I think it's just something about the, in both those shows, people wanted to revive. I think, you know, yeah. people who, d- different world is like, they're 50 years old now. And that's like, <laughs> we would be revisiting them as like, as they're sending their kids up at college. It mm-hmm. actually might make a really good TV show, right? But like, people wear human college shirts, right? Like, people are yeah. invested in the human college and the different world brand. Just, and I think people are also equally like, that type of forever is also for the Gilmore Girls brand. And mm-hmm. I was somewhere in the middle where I like them both. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm black and I like Gilmore Girls. So, that's essentially. So, I've been thinking about that since it I'm brought
0: apologetically me… apologetically a fan of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Okay. It
2: brought me joy when last summer was really crazy. I kind of, like, used Different World and Gilmore Girls to escape from reality. Mm-hmm. And they both, like, the way that those shows are set up is kind of… is an easy way to do that. Yeah. So. So, yeah.
0: that So, joy through escape, though, right? Yeah. How are you… I mean… It's funny, this is, I'm not gonna go all the way in it, but like in the living room, when my my parents were visiting me this weekend for the first time ever in Chicago, and we had like maybe one of the most meaningful conversations I've ever had with them. And a lot of it centered around like, like the classic Jewish parent, but are you happy kind of question, right? And it became about like, how are you making joy and how are you making room for joy? And I'm finding that like, I can only do that when I'm the one who like set up the circumstances, right? So I can like escape, I can either escape into something that someone else made. um, That's like a TV show or something like that. Or I can escape into something where I got to build the world, but I can't just like surrender it in the real world to someone else. Um, And I'm thinking like, that's really interesting also, like in the context of freedom square, right? Which is like this very deliberately built world that's intended to be its own space, uh, how are you finding joy in that dame um or in other
1: places but you're nowhere else yeah i'm not i'm only there uh it's it's joyful because i mean it's built on love right and so love in the face of like so much pain and despair um and and it's a space to like to really talk about it all so i think what what holds me down the most is that i know that there's like so much shit going on right like everything is intersecting with everything. Like, the whole damn system is guilty as hell, right? Like, I really, like, internalize that. So to have a space to be able to talk about everything instead of, like, an officer or... Um, a killing or you know to be able to intersect class and economic divestment and education and art and then to be there with kids 24 hours a day um, and trying to teach them about you know anti-violent ideology restorative principles without it being like a a workshop right just
0: and the bell doesn't ring right right right? just
1: just through relationship building Um, so building relationships has really been the joy of that space Um, but but yeah how do you find you know the the like specific joy in the work or outside of outside of like the escape of, of the show dude are yeah. there places where you can create it that's not just does it like, happen
0: on the page yeah. is that a joyful yeah. process
2: I, yes i guess i don't think about i've been thinking about what joy means for me the point uh, yeah i guess the back knowledge is right that I spent the last three years being very very ill right mm. that I, I have bipolar 2 disorder which is like I would definitely suggest not developing <laughs> bipolar disorder if you can avoid it. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you can avoid it, <laughs> I would definitely suggest not developing it.
1: I've never heard the language developing it bef- be- before. Is it something that comes from like experience or environment?
2: It's, um, okay. it's a bit of nature and nurture. I mean, mm-hmm. the point is, right? Like, a lot of knowledge about psychology is still not as thorough as it could be because, right. you know, we just don't have the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be predisposed for it, but then never get it, right? Because what needs to happen usually for these bipolar disorders is uh, that a stressful event or a mm-hmm. series of stressful events can then push you into kind of the spiral of mania, or in my case, hypomania and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so your mother, say, for example, like you yourself, like your mother could have it, let's say, mm-hmm. and but you can go your whole life without ever developing it because, you know, you just, you've avoided it a it major stressful there wasn't that perfect storm It w- wasn't a perfect know, storm yeah. that happened for you to develop it um, but it could mean that your kid could get it because maybe something you pass the gene along to them and something happens the perfect storm is available for them to like kind of develop it's mm-hmm. not nothing's written in stone in this situation I'll say that so again as much or as little as you feel cool send, oh, it's what, all what de- was it for you I mean terms? it's on the internet like if you <laughs> like that I know I read it in those yeah. interviews yeah, I, yeah it's on it. in the internet um, um,
0: what was the perfect storm for you if there was one perfect storm
2: yeah, I don't think there was necessarily one. I think there was a few things. I think I've had it I think I've I've had the probability for it, if that makes sense, for a while. I think that the academic space I was in, Wolsey is full of very smart folks. I won't say women because there are different types of folks at Wolsey College. Um who are very energized about the work they're doing and very hyper focused about it. Um to a fault, kind of right, and I think, mm-hmm. and I, I think that Wolsey's having discussions about wellness now too, right? These are very very smart people, um, who get bogged down by like I have X Y and Z tests, I have X Y and Z papers, I have to find a fucking cure for cancer and maybe become president, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is like the type of yeah. person, right, and the type of culture that it has. So I think that the the type of academic pressure cooker I was in didn't help. There were times where I'd be like, oh, it's, I feel like staying up all night and like writing. This is strange. I like, this, and I remember thinking, like, this sounds... This seems like mania, but no one's saying anything. So I guess maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just
0: excited about my studies. Or maybe something. I'm decided,
2: or maybe I'm just like, now I'm going to have a breakthrough where I can, like, focus on things. Um, mm-hmm. My mother has... My mother, I think, has untreated bipolar disorder. There are any here is that she is a psych nurse. Like, I couldn't make this up if I tried. <laughs> um, and it, it wasn't ever really discussed in that way. My mother my mother actually doesn't speak to me. It's a whole big thing. I haven't spoken to my mother. It was 2016. I haven't spoken to her since the t- summer of 2013 mm. um, because I think we know that folks that have mental illness don't always want to admit that they have it. I think by me developing it um, right after graduation, it kind of forced her to have to maybe admit or look at herself, say mm. that she ha- has something, but I don't think she wanted to do that. Yeah. Um. So she just kind of, I got diagnosed with dep- I was misdiagnosed with depression, um, and she was not really amused by that, and like told me not to get help for it, and mm-hmm. that I shouldn't take medication for it, even though her job, her job, right. is to give people medication yeah. for the mental illness.
1: Um, so do you think it was something from her work experience that was trying to discourage you or just she's just doing that job and doesn't actually believe in the science or, or
2: the she practice. couldn't I, face it for her? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's not being face it for her. I also just think, right like for many professionals, right? Like if you work with the population, right? It's okay. Like you believe in what you're doing. You believe in my mother's a good nurse and she, my grandmother was a psych nurse too. I think mm. they believe in this work, but it's different when it's your kid, right? Like, Absolutely. Just like if you were a cancer doctor, right? Like you might really truly believe in the in the medication and the treatment that you're giving, but you don't want your kid to have to, you know, go through these procedures, And right? I could
0: also imagine it's like, if it's something that you feel like in a work environment, you to some degree are like solving that for other people. I could imagine projecting, like, if it's something that your kid faces, it feels like a failure on you for not protecting them in that way, too. And like Yeah, yeah.
2: and maybe if you aren't dealing with it that you have yourself, too, you might yeah. feel to blame. But I think there's a lot of things going on there. So I say all that to say that, like, I think that I was kind of—I I feel like I was running from mental illness mm. in college. I, I wish that we had conversations about it. I didn't know how to identify it. I My senior year of college, I was, like, on every board. I was in college government. I was doing a lot. And mm. I was like crying myself to sleep at night. And eventually I got to a point where I was like, oh, this is unusual. Like I probably shouldn't be crying <laughs> myself to sleep at night. So I went to one of the psychiatrists on campus and they were like, essentially what she said was she was like, well, you're very popular. You're in college government. You have a lot of friends. You're like, you're an X, Y, and Z society. You do all these things. You're a very pretty young girl. Mm. Your grades aren't slipping. You seem right. fine. I don't really think you have depression. And like at 21, I didn't know how to say I think
1: <laughs> I think you don't know what the fuck you talking about. That's what yeah. you want to say. Yeah. That's it, I really it
2: took to, you a
0: few more years. It took to me a four more years to be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, she's the person on that end of the desk who's supposed to know. You know she's yeah, she's
2: supposed to know, right? right? So like I feel like I was this is a very long winding way of being able to say, like, I feel like I was I mental illnesses played a role in my life, whether um discussed or undiscussed, named or unnamed. Mm. And when I graduated, um yeah, I had my, my first break in September of 2011. I graduated in May 2011. And I think, at the, at the, yeah, at the time, I decided to drop everything to focus on my health because I know what untreatment illness looks like. Because mm. I'm my mother, I know what it looks like. And I was like, I don't really want that for myself. I'll drop everything. I quit my job, which was stressful. I did. I just quit everything to focus on my health.
1: And, and, and so from what I'm hearing there, that means the recognition of uh, your mother's struggle and, and, and not being treated is something you understood or, or recognized growing up before you started to yeah say, i recognized so it, it like,
2: even though i didn't necessarily have language for it mm. but i recognized enough to be like i don't want to be undiagnosed and untreated like right. i need to like get i need to name this thing so that i can like find also like you're dealing with a right, depression i think we just think of it like people are sad like no like i was like making thorough suicide plans and that's why it's like i need to like something right. needs to give because this isn't this is I don't right. like the term normal, but it's you know, this is not typical. This is unhealthy. It's, it's not unhealthy. it's, it's unsafe, unhealthy yeah, and it's not safe. Problem. Like is this also is this unnecessary. I don't need to live my life like that. Mm. If I if if I know that there is help for it. Like why go through all this right. pain and suffering if there is a way to like get out of this?
0: Yeah. So now I have a couple of things on that, but 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 now years into figuring out how to um how to have that be part of your life. Like do you think about it as a the, do you think about the disorder as a, like, what, how do you, what is there a metaphor you think about it for? Is it uh, like a companion? Is it a weight? Is it a, just a piece of you? Like, how do you think mm-hmm. about it?
2: Well, right now
0: you're a poet. I figured I could ask metaphor. Yeah. You know?
2: Well, yeah. So I don't feel suicidal. This is the first summer. This is the first year that I don't feel suicidal. Mm-hmm. I hospitalized myself last August because I was suicidal and then I got a little bit better. And I think it probably just takes two to three years to get on the right medication, get the right diagnosis to feel mm. better. Um, so now I'm feeling good. I'm like, the, the world is like my oyster. Right. I can like go it. might forth. be on fire, but it's it your It might oyster. be on fire. It might be burning down. It's a flambéed oyster. A little, uh. <laughs> okay, beat you to the punch there, David. No. You, all, you all deserve each other for your jokes. <laughs> you all deserve each other.
0: That's going to be our new subtitle. Yeah. Ergo, they deserve each other.
2: <laughs> but... Right. I'm missing a different space where I'm like I can actually experience sure because I like literally like I couldn't experience it for the last three years. Like mm-hmm. even when I was feeling happy for the last three years, I was like, this all kind of ends soon. Like right. the when is this going to like swish up on me? Like There's the other this shoe. Little cloud yeah, like, yeah, the shoe is gonna really be dropped. There's this cloud kind of hanging following me around, right? Like this I have like unwanted house guests, like a unwanted body guest or brain guest, I mm-hmm. guess. So now I'm in a space where I'm like, I feel good. I think I have this thing under control for now. We'll see. We don't, like, you don't, you know, you don't know. But I feel like I'm in control right now. So I'm like, I feel more joyful. I feel like I'm able to, like, really make plans and be like, oh, I will see them through. Right. At 23, I was, like, making plans. And I was like, I don't really know if I'm to make it to 27. Mm. So now I'm like, I'm really, I'm saying, like, what do I want to do at 30? And I actually have, you know, unless something else goes wrong. Right. Um. I mean, you know, anyone can walk outside and get hit by a bus. But if I don't get hit by a bus, mm-hmm. I can make it to 30 and, like, you know, put plans in. That makes sense, right? Yeah. It's different when you're... It just feels weird when you're making plans because you're going... because what all your friends are doing because you're in an age group in which you make plans.
1: plan-making time.
2: It's plan-making time at, in your... 20s right your early 20s and out of college damn i should
0: be making some plans i guess
2: (laughs) right but But then when you're like making these plans knowing that you're not not necessarily convinced that you'll like be able to live Mm. to see them through and now i'm at space i'm like oh i can make plans for my life and like for all intents and purposes like i feel like i can see them through and that feels really good
1: what is the uh the plan that you have whatever stage it in that excites you the most
2: Bowl right now I'm working on my book The secret hey. is Is that I'm at Pratt For my MFA I never tell anyone I think you all knew Because you all know me Outside of this Yeah um,
0: You are uh, Why don't you If tell you're trying more? to keep it a secret You shouldn't say it on I the podcast I don't care now <laughs> I
2: mean Now because I'm on my second In my second year But I didn't really want anyone To know my year Because I didn't want anyone To ask me any questions mm-hmm. I figure if people don't know They can't ask me about You know When you graduate what you're working on? Mm-hmm. How's class going? So, what's the title of your book? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I, if you don't know, yeah. then you can't ask me any questions. Just by my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I actually have been really. I've been able to keep it to myself pretty well. There's a. There's a like a. There's a friend who was maybe closer friends with like, he's part of like the friend group, but we're not necessarily close, but I thought for sure that he would know because he says, so who he's friends with, but I was mentioning writing my book and stuff like that. And he was like, are you in school? And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I managed to keep this secret so tight that even though, you know, a lot of my friends, you don't
0: know. That's great. So of the to tie it into the last piece and thinking about your craft or in thinking about how you write um, that feeling of like certitude that you'll be here for those plans or just the like more openness to joy do you feel like that's shining through I know you said you haven't been writing much but does that feel like that's coming through in your work
2: I think it will in the stuff that I'm able to produce Mm. when the summer is all said and done yeah that's what I'm like this is stuff I've been I'm making I have like a note well I'm sure a lot of writers have notes in their iPhone I just been like writing little things down and things I want to explore like little lines that's where I put my
0: raps it's cool great I'm kidding I don't rap thank God go on
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I have these things. Um, He's lying about lying. I don't rap. He definitely does no. rap. I definitely feel like you secretly have some raps. I'm pulling up the notes right now. You can scroll through. I feel there like, are no raps I feel in like here. all those notes are a front he, for the he, raps. He
1: writes them down, pen and paper. I guarantee.
2: You can search my he has, room.
1: He has a cassette tape player. He like, sits up at the kitchen and, and beatboxes. I do have
0: third base, <laughs> and, and the listen. Cactus album, the best white rap album of all time on cassette. I am proud to say that I do not rap.
1: That's one he of my. He flips it over college. to the B side. <laughs> it's a list of instrumentals, and he, you know, he's working on the bridges right now. Then he'll, he'll be getting the mixed out in the fall. Don't don't worry. Don't let him lie to you. The same way you've been in school for the last year, yeah. he's been rapping for years.
0: Yeah, in the in the closet right there. Actually, I got a little studio set
2: up. No, but dude, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. You know um, these little notes? <laughs> I've well. been writing little notes, mm-hmm. um, looking for inspiration. I've been reading. Like I said, I've been going to, to art events. I just kind of been living in the world, which I think is important to be able to write. Like that's like some basic stuff that people t- like, if you just live in the world, but like I wasn't really able to live in the yeah. world fully. And I wasn't feeling good because I didn't leave my room. Yeah. So now that I'm like, oh, I actually feel like getting up and going to museum. I feel like going to this party. I feel like being in community with with folks and like doing it like multiple times Not just like once a week What yeah. I was doing When I was sick Which I feel like I'm a genius for doing this Like I was able to like Make people think That I was okay Because I would go to like Things that I knew I would see at least Five to ten people mm. Like I would go to like Knock them all out like one Like release way. parties Or yeah. like, I'd be like okay I'll stay here for thirty minutes I'll see people They'll think that like I'm out and about And I can like Go on and be in my room For the next two weeks And no one will like Know the difference right And mm. like So now that I'm like No I actually leave my house These days I'm just going kind of living In the world And I think that Where I produce Will be indicative yeah. for that. Live a life worth commenting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. As we're talking about, you kind of talk about like the coming out of of the stage or like making plans. Uh, and then you said about 20 minutes ago about all the weddings you're going to. I I, I, I was pegging you in like uh, the 28 to 32 range. But I heard you just say 27, right? Yeah. Just how
2: dare ba- you? Just based off not make me older than what just you.
1: off the generation of folks that I know you are associated with uh, in in the scene because they're older. Yes. So, but but you're but you're, you're 27, and so you're like, I like having the question of like, do you feel like an adult yet as a 23 year old? LOL, I, I absolutely do not. <laughs> and L- so as as O-L. people around you are like making the the most adult decision of like, hey, let's be adults together for the rest of, for forever. You know, yeah. like like how does that, how does that feel to see the fact that you have to get on planes and hear people talk about life and death?
2: Um, and in relation to queer. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um. If so, the people that got married this this summer. Are my sister got married in Mexico, and my best friend at class got married in Atlanta. They were different kind of weddings. Um, both very wonderful. And I'm glad that I was able to witness them. And I only have good things to say about those two couples. And I hope that they hope that it works out. And I'm glad I got to witness that. And I feel like it was it wasn't this feeling of like oh man. Like, what do you know? We're getting up there in age. It's just like, oh, like this is this, like, I can receive them both for like this is like what people do when they want to be together and this is really beautiful. I'm glad that I'm able to share in this moment. Um Huh. But is there a but <laughs> there's not necessarily but as much as like I was like, I know that I am I'm, I'm interested in being like I already kind of know where I want to get married. I actually am planning on getting married at the Shane Mansion in Oak Park. In the next five to ten years, you're gonna invite Oh um, for sure. You only yeah. point it to Damon, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Um I got a few years to work on getting that that's Yeah. Cool. But like I'm like I'm I'm interested in being married, which I feel like I don't know, sometimes when you like have radical politics, people think that you don't like you're not interested in these institutions. I was like, I actually like what wed- most I like weddings. I can't necessarily say that I'm like, I need to be married for the next 50 years. I also just think that's not not necessarily like Reasonable thing, right? People change, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who you get married to at twenty seven, you all might not be the same type of folks right. at thirty seven. Like right. that, that, might just be the way. The and cookie that's crum- not a failure. That's not I mean, a failure. Yeah. That just might be the way the cookie crumbles, and that and that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I guess I'm aside for this part of my life. For like, where I'm even thinking to myself, like I'm twenty seven. I would like to be married in the next five years or so. I've also been thinking about like my next major financial goal. Is probably to buy something, mm. um, and like how like now that I'm like, like A sandwich
0: or a house? What are we? How big are we talking? About?
2: A house? All right. oh really a condo? Because my grandma was <laughs> like, "You don't need a house. You like your lifestyle." It was just true. She's right. She's right. Yeah. Um, Grass sucks and all that. Stuff. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So.
1: <laughs> but but it sounds like you do feel like an adult though.
2: Or at I, least you're. I was, I was wanting to get to this point about <laughs> feeling like an adult or not. When I was twenty three, I spent a lot of time thinking what it meant to be twenty three and twenty four, and what I would look like at twenty seven. I can't even believe I'm here now. Mm. Um, it feels very weird. I feel the same as I felt then. I don't. I, I know a little bit more than I knew at twenty three. Um. I've been told by kids that are younger than me that I look twenty three, so I'm trying to keep that going <laughs> for at least another ten years know, melanin, you know, black does not crack. I use moisturizer. I don't drink a lot. I don't smoke. So hopefully I can keep this going. Mm-hmm. I, th- to answer your questions, I just, I don't feel like an adult. I'm beginning to believe that most adults don't feel like adults. Yeah, I that's think that's really, point. I think that's really the secret here that people don't feel like adults.
1: Yeah, I, think, I think it's only when you have to like lie to, to children and like say, hey, I'm an adult to like. Yeah. Get some power I think that's the only time I really think like that's about. the
2: only case I think
1: that's why we made it up
2: I think so. <laughs> But then I think about people Like my grandma My grandma is 86 year old Right So she's the most adult You ever That's mm-hmm. that's you an adult And she sounds like She knows things She, knows, like, things, like, right? yeah. she knows things Right She knows and She's been around But like talking to her About aging Where she just Sometimes she says stuff, I think my grandma's actually Low-key a poet mm. Um but she was just talking what do you about, mean by that? Well, sometimes it's the terminology she uses. My grandmother, her by trade, she's, she's a nurse, but she also is very good at storytelling. I would, I actually argue the the art storytelling I get from my grandmother. And she's really, she has a gift. She talks a lot. Mm. Gift for gab. <laughs> um, and just some of the ways of phrases I like can't pull them up now that I'm thinking about. But like, just some of the phrase and terminology she uses, and like, she is a poet. Like low key, she's a poet. But like talking to her about aging, and she's like, I mean, she just told me she was like. She's like, sometimes I really can't believe that I'm eighty six. She says, sometimes I wake up and I look in the mirror, and I say, you know, where did the last sixty years go? Like I don't and I was like, that's really I mean, that says something, right? That when someone's eighty six, it's like, where did the last sixty? I woke up one day, I was eighty six, my kids were grown, I have you know, like all these things. Right. And I think that says something. If we're talking about this at twenty seven or twenty three, right. it seems like you're still kind of like this fiber gas at eighty six about how the hell do we get yeah, here?
0: Time mm-hmm. and change but so I think hypocrisy. it's a good because I think like like I really believe in like recognizing the absurdity of everything. Like, and I don't mean like the silliness. I mean, like, like you should be able to take a step back and be like, how on earth is this? Like, this is absurd that we live like this. Or just in general that we live. And it's like a good distance It helps you like, you know, tread a little lighter in the world. At least for me, like it helps me in that way. Like one of my favorite podcasts, one of the lines is like, the afterlife is not more absurd than than life. Yeah. Like it's equally absurd that we get to live than the idea of an afterlife. Yeah, um,
2: That's a whole, another hour long it's like podcast. like all in the realm of possibilities. I right. usually think about things like that. It's like, this world is very, this universe is like, everything is in the realm of possibilities in this universe.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back one piece to the, to the craft piece and, and some of the excitement you were talking about. It, I could see it about like these things coming through as you write. Um, it, it's less a question. And I do, I want to just play. So finally, no name. Uh, a, a friend and hopefully a future guest we're working on it it's been a long process she hates interviews um she finally released her project this this week and I think one of the things that it does most uh elegantly is uh like face the things that we don't typically talk about that are like inside
2: which is Fatima is a master of that exactly like that's really that's the genius of her artwork, right? She's able to talk about the most, like you said, the things that are inside of you that this isn't addressed, right? right. And she's able to do it so poetically.
0: In and in a way that isn't just like dark and somber. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you used the word melancholy earlier. Uh, and I think that's in some ways like a beautiful word for it. Um, so in the, I'll, I'll cut this in on the podcast. I want to play. I think the last song off the project, we'll see which one I play. I think I want to play Shadow Man, which has Sabah and Smino on it. Mm -hmm. And in it, they each describe their funerals. Mm -hmm. And it's not in like a bury me inside the Gucci store type way. It's a different thing. And it's really beautiful. Um, It'll cool to like take a listen to it for a second. Yeah. And talk about it. Absolutely. Cool. You're listening to Ergo on WHPK, Ergo Radio. Shadowman. You no ain't
1: HPK right now.
0: <laughs> we don't need them. We don't need anybody. Uh, this is Shadowman featuring Saba and Smino uh, by No Name off of our album Telephone. We'll be right back.
1: How do you see me? How do you love me?
2: How do you remember me? Oh, oh, oh. Finally, taught myself to fight. Oh, shadow man, shadow boss, please keep your hands up. And if you get knocked down, don't forget to stand up. Oh. Bless the night and
1: darkness keep you well. Bless
2: the night and
1: darkness
0: keep
2: you well. Don't man, out the box. Dance in the dark with me. This resurrected agony. This apathy for caskets. Everything I ever loved, I lost in the magic. I claimed by the river. My body delivered. When I die, 27 rappers at my funeral. Moses wrote my name in gold, and kind of did the eulogy. Remember all the bashfulness. Understand the truancy. Yeah, I stand in front of a college dropout, but her music was a church when your spirit hopped out. Met a gypsy in the lane, and she read on my palm tree. Mysterious situation, like kissing the concrete. I eat getting money. I be close to. Heaven. baby claim he love me, hold me down forever, I never should have bought this halo, he waiting for me at his table, my funeral with Disney fable, cause the king about to take me home, preach church tabernacle, Tallahassee sunshine, southern is my bloodline,
1: we know it'll come time to go, and though I leave like alumni, I'm lying like a lullaby, and quiet like my tongue tight, alone, bury me in satin, tell the pastor, say the ashes shit, ain't class with me, whoo, first row. If ashes turn to ashes, then I'm back in my first form with a dust storm with a corn and cold, morbid or late, Lord give, Lord take, viva la morte, mortal, man, less love, more hate, more like mortician, we meet our fate, funeral home looking like a home that I used to live in, you wasn't supposed to go so soon, I took it for granted, maybe we'll meet the next life, maybe another planet, open
2: my soul, but then it'll end with an open casket. Uh-uh, tippy toe on a tightrope mm. leaning on green every go be a dice rope I'm feeling a feline who mindset a feeny I got two packs foods Gold on my gun line, they got rich out my tongue, sticky throw in the tightrope mm in my grievances as a little heathen i uh, said like the legion show uh, never believed in yo uh, system i needed more. Uh, and i didn't uh, figure uh, though with the finger uh, rolling the run. split uh, my head and start uh, leaking songs uh, and them words uh, them words they make a nigga live forever black with them birds my hearts they lighter than the feather it's gonna be niggas booming at my funeral boom, 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 boom. tell them play metro booming at my funeral st louis taught me death could be your neighbor stay awake don't take the family for granted better days away
1: bless the night and, again. and darkness keep you well bless the night and keep you darkness keep you well
2: bless the night and girl. darkness keep you well.
0: No Name Shadow Man featuring Saba, Smino and Felix of her album, uh, Telephone. Go listen to it, it's incredible. She keeps saying like, we only get one more day to listen to it before everyone forgets about it when Frank Ocean's album drops. But uh, I'm going to be
1: keeping it in rotation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she just like took it down. She, she like Loki is playing like right, with that. That's right up her alley. That'd be that'd be hair if she did that.
0: But I think it's kind of the the perfect example of what we were talking about, right? Like it's it's not, um, it's not dark.
2: It's um, joyful, ashes. It's joyful. Yeah. Um, in some of my work, I've been trying to explore joy within death. I have a few poems about hanging out with Rakia and Sandra. Mm. Um, in the purgatory room, and like, well, they play. I don't know how to play space, so they're playing space, or they want to play space. That seems like a big concession on the radio that you don't know how to play space. I'm okay with it. Card <laughs> games are devilment, and no one should be playing. But just like dancing and secular music, all devilments, <laughs> and I don't partake in any of them. <laughs> secular music
0: (laughs) oh my god sorry no name we're gonna have to cut it out the podcast (laughs) if
1: if I may I do want to take a hard turn as we're winding down on time Uh, I would be remiss to not mention we we are both members of BYP 100 and so you know how does organizing or or, you know movement work um, tie into your life right now as you see it or how has it um, and how has it interacted with like your
2: art um, I on a very base level like how I'm passing my day to day like I'm so grateful for BYP 100 because I feel like I've been able to connect with so many beautiful black folks around the country who are interested in liberation work mm-hmm. um, it's opened up like my world um, in really important ways and then in terms of the work I think I think the work I produced last year stuff like I published last year I just I had two poems in Lenny which is Lena Denham's um, um newsletter um i think I think this being that space allowed me to like kind of hone in on the topical like my work mm-hmm. is very topical i think I think that's how it's impacted it um I think just like how we were talking about how shallow man is right is what Fatima's really good at again like i I can sing fatima's praises for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think she does a really good job of being distilled, very complex. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maddening and or saddening situations and make them just really, like, beautiful on a track, right? Like, who the fuck is going to sing about their fucking funeral? Except for Fatima and then make it fucking genius, right? right. And, like, I've been really um, interested in some work I've been doing about finding joy in the afterlife Mm. or finding joy in death. I'm I'm, really—I'm a big Flying Lotus fan. Mm -hmm. Um, And that project, like, is— your dad dead is an amazing yeah he yeah, has an amazing like thing about that too like some of the stuff he's talking about he's like he seems more overly dark but once you start and it is it is dark it definitely is a very dark work but it's also playful too which i think maybe gets lost in some of the conversations around it too
1: yeah, yeah. i just want to shout out a team again, or no name excuse us uh for, right no name but <laughs> for, yeah. for like yeah. encouraging this conversation because i've said since like i met her that she's like the best writer I've ever heard in rap form.
2: Right. I, the day I met her, we were both reading at um stage seven seven three. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the whole she did she did a poem that um what's the term? What's the Literary term for this? Um embodied what's personified? it personified? Personify, yes. I, I went to college. I know these words. <laughs> I went to college. I went to college. But yeah, so she personified all timers and mm. like When the fuck have you ever heard a rap song that personifies Alzheimer's? And the girl, my Mm. friend, next saying it like we, everyone had like not being funny. Everyone's mouth was wide (laughs) open. Because we, I had never seen anything like that, yeah. ever. i never seen anything like her before. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, you're a genius. Did you, are you aware? Excuse me, yeah. girl, I don't know at I all. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> that,
1: that's, that's what I said the first time I met to I was like, that was, that was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Sorry to be weird. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> are you aware that you are, are you aware that are a genius? For team, yeah. Uh, no Name right. is, I'm a society for this album. I'm a side for what comes... Um. I think I'm probably, and again, some, like I said, my, some of my personality is more melancholy anyway. I think mm-hmm. that by virtue of that, um attracted to some of her work anyway, because I think she yeah. does melancholy in a way that can be very joyful. And like I said, she's able to distill very melancholic topics um, in a way that is just very beautiful. Yeah, because, I, and
0: we, I know we're over time, but since it's just the podcast, we can go a little longer if mm-hmm. y'all are done. I, I think like, like, death is in and of, in and of itself not, a, like, a uh, a horrible, like, it's, a, it's more complicated than typically we give credit for, especially, like, I think artistically we've talked a little bit on the show and then off the show also in the past about, like, the way specifically, like, black death gets used and manipulated, both by, like, yeah. whether it's in a poetry sense or even just, like, what does it mean to see the videos and all that stuff? And how that's, like, not a thorough or full relationship to what death means. It's this, like, shocking and difficult one, but it's not an exploration. You
2: know? Yeah. Um, My friend Kim Drew, who is on the internet, um, she's known as Museum Mammy. Mm-hmm. She runs a Tumblr blog called Black Contemporary Art. She's about to be in Glamour. Hey. Um, So, So Kim is really, really dope. But she was doing a talk at Schomburg. It was about Bastiat. And she said something I thought was really important, right? Because Bastiat is usually, and it's true, like the way we think about Bastiat is like genius. Like, unfortunately, he died. He's part of 27 Club. So sad. It's like, it's a very sad thing. And she said, death isn't always a failure. And that like, kind of blew my mind. I was like, that's really true because the way we talk about, we talk about, like oh he was such a genius if only he had not OD'd like what could he have done and she was like death isn't a failure right and there's and living longer
0: is not an inherent like quality of a better life
2: yeah yeah I just think yeah I think that's an interesting thing to explore that death isn't always a a failure
1: Yeah. yeah that's profound um I think I think it's time to 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 wind it down. I, I do want to play my favorite game. Ergo stable. Uh, it's all about accountability here, right? That, and and there's a sect of the world that that I say um, has run amok. What and could that been, be? And has been on bullshit for yeah. for generations now. Uh, and no and no one calls them out. Um, and 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 in the ways that so many other people get called out. And, and that group of people is R and B singers. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do here every every week or when we get a chance is that we we ask our guests to start beef with the R&B singer, right? Like if a rapper came out and just like did yeah, something wild, right? Like everybody would, would you know, everybody would would go in on them uh or her. Uh and I I want us to make sure that we hold the R&B world accountable. So so we give that space before we get out of, of here of Ergo Radio. So this is from Motown on to like Bryson Tiller right like the, the entire <laughs> gambit uh, so if you you know if you want to start some beef with David Ruffin now now is the time I feel to like do you're it. pushing in the David Ruffin I am
2: I want somebody to say David like he was kind of bogus <laughs> ain't nobody here to see you <laughs> yeah um, yeah. I think David Ruffin was very funny actually anyway um, I don't really have any beef with anybody I feel like oh, I don't man. really you know I feel like that's like I just don't. There's no one that I am really. I feel that strongly but you about. you
1: have to. You can't leave here. Until I don't you do. have anybody. I feel that strongly
2: uh, about. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. No. This is this
1: whole thing's been disappointed. A disappointment.
2: Uh, <laughs> who else? Yep. Who will people say? Well,
1: R. I mean, Kelly. Kelly is uh, is what he was, what this this was designed for. Oh
2: well.
1: You know. In Chris, general, Chris yes. songs. Forget, I feel like should should get much. More
2: I, I guess I like. Flack. I forget that they exist. exist. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yes. Once you bring them back to my <laughs> knowledge into like, yeah, I'm. Yes and yes, I
0: wish they would both stop. We'll add another hashtag in, in the anti-R. Kelly campaign. That's yeah. good. Uh, we keep a, a board in the studio <laughs> for that. Um, cool.
1: This was beautiful. Thank you for being here. I, yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. M- much right. love. Where, where can the people find you? Where your verified account? Let, let them know where it's at. <laughs>
0: and where can they read some of your poems? Since you don't want it, since you're not going to perform, it's cool. I just want um, people
2: find you. I'm. I'm on Twitter. I kind of live there. That's my second address. So <laughs> my Twitter name is Diamond with the E. So D-I-A-M-O-N-D-E at Diamond. And you can go there and find some of my work. There's a link to my work. I'm around. I'm on the Internet. Too much, in fact. You can <laughs> find me. Or thank you so much again. Thank you. And uh folks will be back next week, maybe in an
0: actual radio station. We'll see. But I'm not risking this bed bug thing. I'm moving in a couple of weeks. This is not this is yeah,
1: not a good no, move. It's not what's up at all. But, <laughs> but you guys are much love to the people. Peace. <laughs>